What's the difference between the Papa John's website and Harry Kim? What? Papa John's website has promotions. Shut up, Wesley. Welcome to The Final Frontier, a Trexphere production. Your fun, fantastic stop for all fan film things. And I ran out of F-words there. Sorry about that. <laughs> Joining us today is our fearless leader and son of the great man himself, our Apollo, Adam Mullen. Back from my stint with the A-Team, I am Starbuck, a.k.a. Bill Allen. Oh, hello. And <laughs> our special guest today, the man, the myth, the legend, Bill Boxler, a.k.a. Yeah, Boxy. Hey, in his own mind. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> so, yeah, Adam Adam was telling me that since you're Bill and I'm Bill and he doesn't want to get stuck doing doctor, 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 doctor for the whole show, <laughs> you said you'd be, uh, your nickname is Boxy and that's what you'd go by. That's correct. All righty. Well, in or honor of you, call... we had a Battlestar Galactica opening. <laughs> or we, we could just call Adam Bill and then just Bill, 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 Bill. There we go. Do we have some news? Um, Star Trek Discovery airs, or I guess by the time this goes live, it just aired. The second half of season one mm -hmm. has begun. Are we looking forward to it? Uh, well, I am looking forward to it. I think everybody else has decided they hate it. I enjoy it. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. My only fear is it's going to turn out the fans were right about some of their theories, and that's going to just crush my spirit <laughs> so much. Because the only thing worse than the, the, the Star Trek fans who hate the new show are the Star Trek fans who will spend the next five years. Told you so. Told you so. Yeah. All right, I'll bow out of this right now. So, <laughs> Are you an I told you so, or are you a I hate, I hate the show fan? I, I don't hate the show. Uh, I absolutely don't. I'm just not a big fan of it right now. I just, you know, as, as I hate to say it, when Next Generation came out, I wasn't a fan of Next Generation. Um, it takes, it, I think it takes them a little while to find the characters, mm -hmm. to find the voice of the show. And I just, I'm not sure that I agree with with everything they're doing with, yeah. with this one. You know, and I mean, but it's it. I in the same vein, I I hate to quote Shatner, but it's just a television show. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing that bugged me the most about the premiere, and it started to bug me about a lot of shows, because it isn't just Star Trek. I noticed did this. It takes three episodes to get to the plot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I figured two-hour pilot would set up the premise. The two-hour pilot was a, a, a prequel, and then episode three sets up the premise. I mean, that's just... And it isn't just Star Trek doing that. I've seen other shows that are starting to do that thing where you need to watch more than just a, a two-hour premiere episode to to know what the story's going to be about, and that's just driving me nuts. It's like, <laughs> okay, because you're going to do this big serialized story you still set it up in the first two hours. Don't take four hours so that people know what's going on to decide whether they like it. Just do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and I, I hate to say a lot of people complained about Star Trek Enterprise when they tried doing the episodic television with, like, the whole Zindi plot. Yeah. And I yeah. see Discovery doing the same exact thing that, that Star Trek Enterprise did. My, my biggest gripe with Enterprise was it did the things a prequel should never do that just made things wrong. It spent too much time focusing on stuff from other series instead of blazing its own trail. If they had left out the Borg and the Ferengi <laughs> and that horrible augment... How did Klingons go from ridged heads to flatheads? If they had left that out and all the other... TNG fan service episodes, it would have been better. I think, though, at that point in time, they, they were too far in to try and find their own voice. They, they knew that, that they were toast. Yeah. So they were pull, grabbing at straws anything they could find to try and, and 
you know, save the series. Yeah. And I mean, some of the stuff I actually did like. I mean, I Mm -hmm. liked the whole, you know, Klingon augment piece. Um, I did not like the Borg bit. I thought that was just ridiculous. Um, you know, there, there are, there are parts of, of Enterprise that I thought made absolute sense for them to, to pull out. I loved the Mirror Universe episode. Mm-hmm. I loved that they did that. I thought that was, that was really kind of cool. Um, but when Enterprise came out, I, I also do feel that at that point, you had, you know, Star Trek fatigue, which is, you know, a lot of people said it, it, it was just too much. Yeah. And it's like Star Trek Enterprise was, was kind of ahead of its time because 10 years after the show first aired, it's when it became a very popular. Everybody says, you know, I really like this show. I wish they hadn't pulled it off the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, then you should have watched it then, shouldn't you? Shall we... Uh... Move on to the question of the uh, the week. Yes, please. So this is Khan's home away from home. Which planet was Khan and his people taken to? Was it A. SETI Alpha Six, B. SETI Alpha Eight, C. SETI Alpha Five, or D. SETI Alpha? So we'll we'll come back to this at the end. Hopefully it's not too easy. Hopefully it's not too difficult. Oh if, oh, if only I had this thing that I could look up answers just on the fly. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know what it would be, but I wish someone would invent it. No cheating. <laughs> you know, I probably should look them up more often because half the time I'll sit there, hey, remember that episode when Picard met that dude on that planet that had that thing on his head and that thing happened to him and – it's not quite that vague, but there's a lot of that guy from that place in there. It's like this this dude who, you know, dude who couldn't really speak and was talking in metaphor. Well, so are you saying my question is too vague? No, your your question is well the answer is forty two. Your so your question is just wrong. <laughs> well, I thought I, I thought everyone no, no, was we, seeing the wrath of Khan. Yes, and it's like this 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 question I know because it's in the it's in the trailer that shows up when they show this on T V. <laughs> Wait now, which which timeline are we talking about though? Well, this is the uh, the original, the prime timeline. Okay, see, we, we you, you got to state that up front. <laughs> yeah, oh. I I apologize. This is the prime timeline. We're not in the Kelvin universe. I I apologize. So uh, shall we move on to the interview? Yes, yes, we should. Yes. All right. How did you get into Star Trek? Oh, I have no clue. You know, uh, I was born two years before Star Trek debuted. Um, I remember vaguely in the in the 70s when the when the reruns were on, um, beginning to catch the reruns and um, literally just being a fan of it and just enjoying enjoying watching the original series. Um you know, neither neither one of my parents were into science fiction or anything like that, um, and I always kind of gravitated towards uh, towards science fiction. And um, I think I, I probably just sat down and watched one of the reruns on one of the local um, channels, and that's kind of how I ended up getting into uh, watching Star Trek. I was hooked from the, the from that point forward. I was uh, I was also the geek in elementary school who uh, somehow at one of the department stores they had a uh, Captain Kirk tunic and uh, I decided that I wanted that Captain Kirk tunic so my mother bought it for me and I wore it to uh, school one day and got thoroughly ridiculed for it and then stuffed it in the back of my closet never to be seen again when uh, the motion picture came out uh going to and, and I, I I joke about this this was my level of kind of commitment to it but I I just started collecting a lot of the uh, a lot of the comic books uh, a lot of the toys and stuff like that and when the motion picture came out I was in high school and I decided I was going to a Halloween party and uh, I was waiting for a friend I was I think it was like 16 at the time uh, I was waiting for a friend of mine to come pick me up 
to go to this Halloween party, and I had decided I was going to go as Captain Kirk from the motion picture. So I've got the white tunic, and I've got you know the whole outfit set up. I've got this phaser on my side, this communicator on my wrist, whole nine yards, and I'm waiting for him to come pick me up. And uh, um, my mother happened to be looking out into our backyard, and she saw somebody breaking into our neighbor's house. Um, she went and got my father, and my father and I started going back towards the backyard where, where this person was was trying to illegally enter the uh, the house behind us. And my father walks out into our backyard, gets to the middle of our backyard, and yells out to this guy, hey, you, wait a minute, I want to talk to you. Guy jumps off a ladder that he was on, goes running down the street. Well, being the fact that, you know, I've got my Captain Kirk outfit on, I decided to chase him down the down the street in this Captain Kirk outfit. Um, and at one point, I pulled the phaser off my belt, and I'm like, what the heck am I doing? I just kind of threw it over my shoulder and stopped. I, I walked back to the uh, to the house, and the police were already there. The cop looks just looks at me. He's like, who do you think you are chasing the burglar like this? <laughs> you should have gone for it, dude. I mean, that would have been. <laughs> I'm sure the neighbors were looking going, you know, oh, boy, what is this, you know, kid doing now? <laughs> no, you, you'd have been famous. It's like. Burglary stopped by Captain Kirk lookalike, <laughs> and the, the picture, the final picture, would have been you standing there in your uniform, holding the phaser, and like the, the burglar being hauled off in chains, and it's like yeah. that would have made the news. <laughs> yeah, I'd have been a national celebrity. I, you know, I, I could have wrote that for at least a couple of years, I'm sure. Yeah. But I mean, I, I've always been you know I've, I've always been into star trek um you know i i also I had, a, I had a great opportunity and and i i like telling this story just because i it shows um kind of the the individual but when the motion picture came out um george decay was on a promotional tour for a book that he had written called mirror friend mirror foe um, and I went to see him at a local mall, and um, I'm standing in line. After he speaks, he talks about, you know, they had a mock-up of the bridge and the Enterprise, and after he speaks, they're, you know, they're going to have this big, you know, thing where everyone can go get stuff signed. Well, I, of course, being the geek that I was, had this stack of stuff that I wanted him to sign. So I go and I get in line, and, and he was a perfect gentleman the entire time, signing, you know, signed everything that I, I had asked him for. He, uh, I, I had my tech manual and had him sign the tech manual. I had him sign some other stuff. And afterwards, I, I'm standing just to the side of him as, as the next people are coming over, and I'm just in awe because, you know, here is – you know the this guy from Star Trek that you know I had had just you know I had loved Star Trek so much and I got to meet him. Wow, this was this was just a great experience. And there happens to be another gentleman standing next to me, and he looks at me, and goes, "Hey, do you know anything about this Star Trek stuff?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I know everything about this Star Trek stuff. I'm a big fan." So I start going off on this guy, you know, on this 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 this. He says, "Well, hang on, hang on, hang on." He says. You know, I work for the local paper. He says, I have to do an interview with this guy. I don't know anything about Star Trek. Would you mind coming with me to do the interview? Oh, now now you've got me. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go do this. So um, they, we wait until he's done signing everything, and then they escort us back into the, the main office in the mall. And um, they, they usher us into this other room where we could sit down, and he lets me talk to him for two hours and I'm grilling him about stuff you know oh yeah hey I heard that you know in the motion picture the dome above you is supposed to actually have a, 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 a the enterprise but it's supposed to be in relation to how how it is on the earth and and he's like uh, he's just kind of like at me he's like okay most people don't know that and okay yeah and this is so I, I get to talk to him and and Finally, the guy who's doing the interview, he, he's just sitting there the whole time letting me talk. And um, finally he goes, well, I've got to wrap this up. I'm like, okay, well, you know, this is wonderful. Thank you ever for, for doing this. And this guy had a tape recorder with him. And he's like, would you mind, by the way, doing some promotional stuff 
for some of the radio stations around here. So he's doing all this, you know, this is George Takei of the Starship Enterprise, um, you know, promotional pieces. And I, I left the ball and I was just, I was on cloud nine. I'm like, wow, this was so cool. I got to sit in there and talk with him for two hours about Star Trek. Um, I get home, I get up the next day and I'm going to school. I'm in high school. And um, I wrote a column for our school newspaper. And I get this idea after school. I get this idea that, wow, you know, I really wish that I would have had him do a commercial for me for my column in the school newspaper. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, hey, that's uh, that's life. You know, I, I didn't get a chance to do it. And, you know, how would I have gotten it anyways? So I, I ride the bus home and I get home. and I'm like, well, you know what? He's supposed to be at the mall again today. Uh, I wonder if I can get to the mall. And and I asked my mom, and my mom didn't have a car, and, and she's like, well, I can't get you there. There's nothing we can do. I said, well, you know what? I got a tape recorder, and that tape recorder has this little thing that you stick on uh, the the uh, the phone where you can record a phone conversation. And I get this bright idea, you know what? I'm going to call the mall, and I'm going to ask them if I can talk to him, and, and maybe he'll talk to me. So... I call the mall and and I get this woman at the mall office on the phone and I say, hey, you know, I'd like to talk to uh, George Takei, please. And she's, well, who's calling? I said, well, it's Bill Boxler. Um, okay, hang on. And I'm sitting on hold. I'm like, he's never going to answer. I know this is not going to happen. Lo and behold, he comes on the phone, and he says, Bill, how are you? Did you get home okay last night? I'm like, well, yeah, I got I got home fine, you know, and I'm stunned that he got on the phone, and I'm even more stunned that he remembers our conversation from the night before. And I explained to him how I've got this column, you know, that I write for the school newspaper, and would he do a promo for the uh, for the newspaper? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do it. So he does <laughs> got this this promo on cassette tape now of, this is george decay of the starship enterprise when i beam into town i pick up a copy of the searchlight and read bill boxler's column <laughs> that's awesome so call that him awesome. and let's, let's get him doing commercials for the podcast <laughs> honestly i'd love to do that but i really want I, i'd rather have i'd like to just say mr decay could you please say who are you what are you doing on my lawn i'm calling the police so that's how I got into Star Trek. So what's your favorite fan film? Uh, you know what? There, I, I can't pick just one. I really can't. Um, I didn't. I only got into fan films a couple of years ago. Uh, I really didn't even know that, that there was this kind of genre um, out there outside of just some individuals that I have to be friends with who have done, you know, eight millimeter stuff when they were kids. Um, and then I got a couple of years ago, um, I, when the whole crowdfunding thing started becoming a big, big thing. Um, there's a gentleman by the name of Mark Zekri who was, was shopping around a, on, on the, uh, the crowdfunding site, um, Kickstarter, this idea that he was going to do this new series called Space Command. And um, he was looking for people to back him. And I liked what I saw, what he was doing, and um, I decided I was going to be one of the backers on it. But as I'm looking at it, he listed in his credits that he had actually directed a fan film with um, the guys at, at uh, New Voyages, uh, uh, Phase 2. And I'm like, oh, well, that, that's kind of cool. I didn't know that was out there. So I started to look that up, and I started to watch um, James Crowley and that group doing their fan films. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. I love the fact that, that they're doing this. And, and, oh, hey, look at that. They're in New York. It's really close to me. Um, so I really, really, really like the, uh, the Star Trek New Voyages um, and the Phase 2 group. Uh, after that, I found, obviously, Star Trek continues. Um, those guys just knocked it out of the park for me. Um, just, I, I absolutely loved what they were doing. Um, really, really enjoyed a lot of the work there. Um, and then I've just, I've kind of been bouncing around on all other ones. I, I was a, um, I uh, helped fund the Star Trek Renegades. Uh, which just became Renegades once the uh, the the fan stuff 
uh, happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did Star Trek um, Prelude to Axanar and Axanar. Um, loved that. Um, loved Horizon. Um, I, I, I really just, I enjoy all of them. I can't pick one specific and say I like this one over this one or this is my favorite because I like all of the different incarnations. I like seeing what the fans um, are doing with them uh and and kind of you know just i just i i just i love all of it i i think it's all really really great stuff um and and enjoy watching it have you been in any fan productions um i have not um other i i'm doing one right now um i'm doing a radio drama called star trek unity um, this is the first, you know, kind of uh, foray into that. Um, I, I don't think I would want to do any kind of video because if if I were to do that, I would have to be the uh, the uh, um, old Shatner with the hot belly kind of Star Trek <laughs> films because <laughs> uh, that's kind of where I fit in now. <laughs> Time to break to out that old Halloween costume again. Uh, yeah, I don't think the Halloween costume will fit. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like uh, in my 20s, I, I could have done, you know, the original series, Scotty. Now I'm going into more motion picture stuff. Um, you know, but the the radio drama uh, is is fun. I'm, I'm enjoying doing that. Um, it's something I never thought I would do. Uh, but I, I'm I'm excited to be part of it. So, other Bill, uh, just so you know, he's talking about my uh, my thing. Uh, I call the Unity. Uh, he calls it a radio drama. He's right. I call it an audio drama. I'm right. Uh, but uh, first, Bill, can you tell us who you're playing? Um, am I allowed to? You know. <laughs> Whatever I'm, you I'm say. It's, it's kind of, you know, cagey here since yeah. it, it hasn't debuted yet. Um, yeah, you got to tell us. You got to tell us. Well, we, we, we've done a couple of these, and it's always, yes, I'm doing this, and I'm going <laughs> to tell you nothing about it. Tell me something, man. Come that's on. If, if, that's, that's, if they say anything more, then I'll, you know, I know where they live. So well, that's, that, you know. Yeah, that's the problem. He'll he'll kill me in the next episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Eaten I'll by a denobulent sand shark because he's been yeah. interviewed. Um, I am playing uh, the captain of the USS Unity, uh, who is Quinton Swafford. How does how does that character relate back to Deep Space Nine? One of the neat things that I like about what Adam is doing with this is there's a lot of neat little um, Easter eggs hidden in what he's written back to other series. To answer Great. the question. Uh, Captain Quentin Swafford, he's from the episode, well, he's we don't see him, but he's he's mentioned in the episode uh, Far Beyond the Stars uh, that uh, First Bill uh, actually had just talked about, and he um, he's the best friend of uh, uh, Captain Sisko. And what is, what is cool to that kind of connection there is the writer for that episode was the uh, gentleman that I talked about earlier that is doing Space Command. Very cool. All right. Um, how about you give us a little uh, Captain Swafford? Give, give the crew some orders. Let's hear your captain voice. My captain voice is just my voice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want, I, I, I can, uh, um, you know, I can change up the voice if you'd like. Well, I mean, just, you know, it's like... My, my, my kids always get a kick out of... What do do the elbow voice? <laughs> Hi. Oh, my God. So what are we doing now? Are we having fun? Okay, say make it so as Elmo. Make it so. <laughs> Fire phasers! Why didn't you audition like that for that part? Oh, man. Well, see, I actually wanted to get the role... Not turn it into a parody. So. <laughs> oh well, I think we're gonna have to do a parody. Yeah, I'll, you're gonna send right, Mr. Yeah. Jingles on dangerous away missions <laughs> and give him orders over the con. Hello, is anybody there? Wake up! <laughs> so, first, Bill, do you have any plans to do your own fan production? 
Uh, no. <laughs> well, let's say if you did, what what would it be? Do you know? If I wanted to do my own fan production, um, you know, I really don't. I I <laughs> I, I, I have no desire to do my own. I, it's it's easier to do other people's. Um, you know, I I would love to. Uh, um, I, I loved I, – I don't want to give – well, he did just release it. Um, Vance Majors, just – I just saw his uh, – was it No Reward? Without um, – uh-oh. I'm sorry, Vance. The, I just without forgot Without Reward. Yeah, Without yeah. Reward. Without Reward, yeah. Um, you know, I, I love the crossovers, you know, from the different universes. I like that kind of – that kind of stuff and I'd love to see us do you know I'd love to see some fans do more crossover stuff I could do Batman 66 meets Star Trek we uh, we, we started out this podcast just kind of idly riffing a little bit about Discovery and I know in the pre-interview stuff you said uh, part of what you wanted to talk about was uh, how Star Trek is headed into a more uh, dark and gritty direction so um what is it? Is is that one of the things you you said there were some things you didn't like? Is that one of the things you didn't like, or I mean, do you want Star Trek to stick to its more uh, family friendly, G rated roots? I you know I have no problem with going you know darker in in some of the, the Star Trek stuff. The 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 you know and again the, your podcast is family friendly, so you know I'll I'll just say the language. Um, Everyone talks about, oh, how it's, you know, Star Trek is going to be R-rated now. You know, Tarantino's coming in to do Star Trek Four, and, you know, boy, Discovery drops the, uh, the, the big, big bomb, big F-words. And, you know, I felt that with Discovery, they, they're trying to force too much of it. Like, when they, when they did the episode where they did use the language, um, I, didn't, I didn't feel the need for it. I thought that it, it was it was absolutely out of place. It was oh we're just doing this because hey we're on we're on a streaming service and we can. Um, I would much rather see Star Trek stick to family family friendly. You can do grittier storylines without doing R-rated language. Um, you know I'm I'm it, it's. You know, I've got I've got two kids. I've got a five year old and I've got an eleven year old, and I'm not going to let them watch Discovery because of some of the language. I don't, you know, they they're they're dropping that. I don't want to worry about oh what's coming next. You know, what are they going to try and do next? I think Star Trek has always been the 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 basis of what makes Star Trek special and what makes Star Trek work is the stories. It's about stories. It's about the the um, social commentary and you don't need to use language in order to do that. You can have grittier, you can have um, darker without going down that road. And that's that's one of the one of the problems that I've got. I mean, I'm 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 extremely nervous about the idea of Tarantino doing Star Trek Four. Because, you know, from, from what I've read, he's come out and said, oh, yeah, we're going to have an R rating on this. Well, that's not what Star Trek is about. Star Trek is about, you know, the, the more um, utopian society, the, the uh, you know, the fact that, that we've bettered ourselves. We don't, you know, I don't need to see blood and guts. I, I don't need to see, you know, um, you know have, have all of this language thrown at me. Yeah. I absolutely don't need that. I I like the fact that um, Star Trek is something that I can sit down and watch with my kids. Yeah, I uh, I get the I got the same vibe off of. I mean, I wasn't offended by the use of language because I am a foul mouth, you know what, myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, with, the way they did it in Discovery, it. Um, I mean, a couple more dams or hells wouldn't bother me. Mm -hmm. Maybe the occasional SOB. Um, 
But that whole, that entire little 10-second clip, I really got the feeling that they did that intentionally for shock value to stir up buzz because even before the series came out, when they dropped the hint, oh, by the way, yes, guess what we can do now? We can do this. And then this is the episode I think they were talking about when they said that, when they're just dropping a couple of F-bombs. I mean, I could see an awkward character like uh, Tilly just blurting out an expletive like that at an inappropriate time because it fits her personality a little Mm -hmm. bit to be over-exuberant and yet still awkward and inappropriate. But at the same time, they did it just for the sake of stirring up online buzz about the show, and in that regard, they were successful. When, When Tarantino does his, I get the feeling it's not so much for the language he wants to do it. He's just... He's going to be very, very mean to a lot of red shirts in very unique ways. <laughs> and I kind of want to see that. I mean, yeah, Star Trek should be family-friendly, but let's face it, half the time we do tune in to see what's going to happen to Ensign Smith. <laughs> Is there ever a place for grittier Trek that uses the mature language and the uh, sexually explicit images? You know, that's... Well, um, I yeah, that's, go with I a specific know. example if it'll help. Um, the the final episode of uh, the first half of uh, Discovery season. Did you did you watch that one? No, I've I've made it. I don't know how many episodes. I've got like four episodes I have to watch. Okay, you, you, you can go ahead and, and say you can go ahead and talk about whatever whatever you want with it. I don't care. Um, the jury's a, out if I'm going to finish watching it. There's there's a there's a, there's a scene where uh, they, they've rescued uh, Ash, what Lieutenant Ash Tyler? Uh, yeah, Ash Tyler. They, they've rescued Ash Tyler from a Klingon POW ship, and he's got some PTSD. And then they capture um, Lorel. What's her face, Lorel? Yeah. And uh, she's on a federation. She's on the Federation brig now. And when he sees her, he has this twisted PTSD flashback involving, and it's just really brief images. It's maybe what five seconds of footage, but it's just flashes of uh, being tortured, um, being abused, being probed, and then there are some uh, slightly uh, sexually explicit images of him and uh, Laurel. She was using him as her plaything in in more than just a torture capacity and it's the briefest of scenes but it relates directly to his ptsd people are speculating that's what it is he's he went through hell and it's just flashes of that hell and it's it's pretty shocking but it's not not pornographic it does sell the point is is that the kind of gritty trick that would work for you or does is that still pushing bounds a little too far you know it, i i think it's pushing bounds um it it's 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 one of these these a friend of mine and myself had a conversation once about you know the difference between marvel movies and dc movies DC going very, very dark, very gritty, um, Marvel being more, you know, kind of lighthearted. Um, the the problem with taking Trek down that road is then I, as as a parent, um, I'm going to look at that and I'm going to say, well, geez, I have to go watch everything before I can let my kid watch it. Um, you know, if I can't trust the fact that that they're not going to put explicit images in there. Um, that they're they're not going to put, um, you know, graphic scenes of torture in there. Um, you know, it, it's. I look back at, at some of the other track, the other tracks, and and some of you know even even the the, the, the treaded, you know, Star Wars. Um, you know, you can do so much more. With music cues, with um, just sounds, um, that you don't have to have all of this visual stuff and and in-your-face kind of visual stuff to explore those kind of concepts. I mean, you know, you you think of um, like Empire Strikes Back, how much 
how much more did we get out of it when you see, you know, Han Solo heading towards something and then cut to outside the room and you just hear screams. Without without seeing the episode, it's it's hard for me to say that, you know, would I approve, would I not approve? You know, if you're telling me that that there are scenes there there's scenes, even though it's the briefest of scenes of, you know, him involved with with her and and I, I I just I don't know it just it it starts to make me feel a little uncomfortable and and unfortunately as you know in the grander scheme though I guess as a society um, we're beginning to accept more and more of that you see you see more people pushing the boundaries on television in terms of what they allow on television you know um, you know, Carlin's, you know, seven words you can't say on television. How many of them can you say now? Yeah. Um, you know, and and do I think track needs to push that envelope? No, I, I don't. I think that, that there's enough other people out there. And I think track maybe needs to stay true to um, the original kind of concept that it had. All right. Um, uh, another example from an episode you've already seen um when they explore Discovery's sister ship and you have the people who died in the uh, Philadelphia experiment type accident and you saw mm -hmm. the corpses that had been spiraled up. Mm -hmm. um, does that also fall in the uh, pushing the boundaries category for you? Or is if they stuck to occasionally something like that, would that still be okay? Occasionally, okay, I can see it. Um, you know, I don't think that... Um, I don't think it needs to be as in your face. You know, I mean, uh, I was watching, again, that, that episode we were watching with, um, my wife and I were watching with another couple, and and we're looking at this and we're going, wow, okay, yeah, I can't show the kids this. You know, this will give my five-year-old nightmares. You know, I can, I can let my five-year-old watch the original series um, and not worry about images like that being in his face. See, and that's the that's the interesting thing, because, I mean, when you think back to the original series, one of the earliest episodes they did was with the uh, salt vampire, the creature from Planet M113. And by 1960s standards, that that particular beastie was creepier than things you would see on the Twilight Zone. And the Twilight Zone was dark. And here's Star Trek, second episode, third episode in, and it's giving you a monster. This isn't just an alien. This is this is a monster. And in the 1960s, did I, I don't know if, you know, it's like it's always kind of had some of it. It's just when we look at what was considered dark in the 60s, it's not dark anymore. Does that is it possible that in 10 years? Even you will have a, a slight shift in uh, what you consider the uh, the the baseline for what's acceptable. You know, I, I think it's absolutely possible. I, you know, hindsight hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, you know, I can always look back and say, oh, you know, here's this thing that scared the living daylights out of me. You know, Wrath of Khan, watching the uh, the eel come out of Chekhov's ear. Oh wow! Oh, that's gross. You know. Uh, kind of deal. Uh, now I look at it and go, "Oh, that's a giant cardboard cutout, and that's somebody's hand." And you know, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I absolutely see that. But I just, I'm worried because, and and again, a lot of what I look at this as now, and and if if I had, if I was in my 20s and I watched Discovery, would I have a different reaction to what I'm seeing? Probably. But I'm not. I'm, you know, unfortunately, I'm in my 50s, and, you know, I have kids. I have little little kids that I'm looking at going, wow, if this is what I'm seeing now, where's this going to go in, you know, in 10 years, in 20 years? Now with the development of things like the VR technology and stuff like that, you know, 10 years from now, are my kids going to be, you know, have, have a headset on, walking around, looking at all the dead bodies on the, you know, on the, the Enterprise? At what point do we say, you know what, enough is enough. We're just, we're, we're doing this for just the sake of doing it. Would a Trek 
that went by 1960s standards thrive today on a television or streaming service? I don't know. Uh, You know, I I guess if the stories were good, then I think it, it would absolutely survive. And, I mean, I hate to say it, look at the success of a lot of the fan films. Take it back. Take it back to the fan films. I mean, it's it's absolutely you know uh, there are a lot of very very good fan films out there that um, almost have the the you know the the '60s feel. They're they're successful among truck fans, but would would they be successful among you know uh, the casual truck fan or uh, everyday viewer nowadays? nowadays does that make sense is it, it is it because they're successful because we enjoy them because we like old trek uh, but would they actually you know be successful among a general population if the general population i think was exposed to it and mm-hmm. um the stories were strong stories i i believe so so cbs must believe that a grittier trek can sell better than what was, you know, on in the 60s and even in the 90s. Uh, so then why is it that that Discovery is so much grittier, darker, uh, and has the language? I think it's about um, what will play, mm-hmm. what they can get the most exposure out of. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, oh, look what we can do. Because they they can they promote themselves as being you know, um, being out there with it. I I think the um, the success of um, uh, Deadpool, you know, with an R-rated you know comic book movie that did so well um, has kind of changed up a lot of stuff a lot of people going oh well you know we can now use all the language we want and we can show all the gore we want and is it they're they're trying to they're kind of setting the the stage they're the ones who cbs is saying oh you know what we can use this to our advantage by saying oh yes we're producing this you know this r-rated star trek um because we can, because we own the rights to it, and because mm-hmm. we we can we can do it. Not because it's what we should do. It's just that we can do it, and we can use that to our advantage to promote it by saying to everyone, "Oh, look what we're doing." I th- I think it comes down to the to the dollar sign. You know, they they can make more money with an R-rated truck. It doesn't necessarily mean that it should be R-rated. Uh, and I guess that goes back to, you know, would it be as successful if it wasn't R-rated? Would it be as competitive with with uh, other shows that are, you know, of similar rating? Uh, you know, they're trying to, well, what, what are what would be some shows that are trying to compete with that are similar? Can we think of any? R-rated Trek, you mean? Or yeah. just Trek in general? Well, it's, um, other shows that um, compete with Discovery. Like that are currently on. Um, I can't think well, of anything. I well, CBS doesn't anything. have much of a streaming channel, so it's hard. Right. To... <laughs> I, I'm think I'm trying to think of other. Um, well, when I think of other streaming services, um, Stranger Things comes to mind. Yeah, it's a sci-fi streaming show that, or uh, Black Mirror comes to mm-hmm. mind. So it's, I mean, but it's hard to say it's like directly competing because it's not like, well, they're both on at the same time. You can only watch one. The, the, the format's changing to the point where it doesn't really matter what time a show is on. You can watch it whenever you want, which, which mm-hmm. alters the, 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 draw, the, the whole method of competition because it's not a race. It's not a, pick a team you most people can jump on both now so i'm, I'm not sure if if so you can stack I, it up next to something i think it comes down to what 
which subscription do you want? Do you want the CBS All Access or do you want Netflix? A lot of people have Netflix and CBS All Access is pretty new. Uh, you know, it, it comes down to that money amount. Uh, and I know Bill or other Bill, you said uh, that CBS All Access doesn't have a whole lot to it right now for you know original streaming uh, streaming shows. But you know that's that's why they got Star Trek on there because they wanted it to to lead the way for this new service. So people would go, oh yeah, I want that. I want to sign up for that. Uh, so again, I think it just it comes back to the to the money. How much money can they make? Well, and and the the part that I, I guess I would um, by taking it in this grittier this kind of arena, the language, what have you, the piece that I think that that they've kind of forgotten about is not necessarily just the streaming service. Um, access, but there there are all sorts of ancillary um, revenue streams that I think what they're doing is they're they're going to cut off. I mean, you know, I was I was watching a thing on Netflix uh, <laughs> that was talking about uh, toys, the toys that made us, mm-hmm. and and the very first episode is talking about Star Wars and the Star Wars toys and how you know Star Wars has made you know seven billion dollars. Um, from the movies, the theatrical release of the movies, but it's made $14 billion from the toys. Um, if you start taking Star Trek down in a grittier, you know, arena, um, I'm not buying my kid the uh, the Star Trek action figure or the Star Trek toy phaser game or any of that. You've lost any of that revenue. And I think that's that's partially where they're they're going to go wrong at. Maybe uh, Star Trek should take a, a cue from uh, from Star Wars. Well, plus, I mean, I, I I hate to say it, I think CBS also really, um, you know, kind of. I'm a I'm a firm believer that that with the the giant fan film issues that that happened, um, that CBS really. If, if CBS wanted to really jumpstart its streaming service, it should have jumpstarted its streaming service. It, it could have used the disco- used Discovery, but it should have also pulled the fan films into the fold. Oh, absolutely. I, I would have. I, I think they absolutely they missed the mark on this. What they should have done is said, you know what, we're going to go out to all of those fan films, all those people who are making the fan films, good, bad, and different, whatever. We're going to say, okay, here's the quality we want. If you meet this criteria then we want to put it on our streaming service hmm. we'll let you Absolutely. do it we don't care you know we don't care you know star trek continues you keep making them you know star trek phase two you keep making them you know um alec peters axonar you keep you know you keep making that you make it to a certain certain you know this is where we're going to be and the only thing we're going to tell you is you're going to give us the fan films we're going to put it on our streaming service we're going to make the money off of it <laughs> I remember, uh, I remember back in the day when uh, cable and satellite were neck and neck competing for the market and trying to throw things at the customer. One of the things that that was when on-demand viewing suddenly became a thing. This was like 10, 15 years ago, and you'd have commercials on where it said, uh, you know, thousands of programs available. And this was a brand new kind of thing, and you go tune in, and you could flip through, and I swear to God, one of Comcast's offerings was a five-minute video. This counted as one of the programs of their thousands of programs. It was a five-minute video, or maybe a three-minute video, how to properly fold a fitted sheet. So, yeah, I I would have loved to have seen them come up with like a, a subcategory on the menu. Oh, by the way... Here's some filler. It's 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 fan stuff. You you you, you bracket it first with the, the documentary Trekkies, or Trekkies Two, and then you oh yeah these documentaries are about the fans. Let's see what the fans are up to, and then you start showing all the stuff. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen that, and it's possible down the road they may still do that. I got my fingers crossed. They may still do that because when you see some of the things they've done towards fans it isn't showing their films on all access but they gave uh they gave that uh new york one uh, james Colley. they gave him 
a license. He's a he's a he's a museum. He's a tourist trap now, and he's like sanctioned by CBS. He's licensed. He's legit. He's got that uh, fun fan, make your own fan film weekend thing going down. He's so they they support the fan films, the new movies. Um, I didn't recognize the guys, but I've read the little trivia bits. A couple of people from a couple of fan films have walk on cameos in the new films. It's like that's the guy who played whoever in such and such fan film. Oh, he's in the turbo lift. He's coming out as Spock is going in. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, so, so they don't really. They're not trying to crush fan films. And I, I, I have hopes that they'll realize that they don't have to keep their distance. That they could. But the problem is, and this is the scary thing, it, it's it's part of what undid the fan that got un the, the film that got undone is when fan films start thinking too much of themselves and put too much importance on them rather than the and that was I think a lot of what caught when, when people start saying things like it's better than the garbage they've got on their service. That's yeah, CBS is not gonna support you if you say that. Oh, absolutely. So does Grittier Trek have a place among fan films? At that, I would have to – I would actually I would actually say amongst the fan films, I think that's where maybe Grittier Trek belongs. Fan films are, you know, I'm not as concerned about my kids um, watching a Grittier fan film as I am – you know the 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 actual movies, the actual television series. Um, I can see fans trying to get fan films trying to get grittier with what they're doing. Um, but again, I think I think that there are definitely some lines that that you have to be aware of. <clears throat> you have to look at. Um, we we try and you know the. Um, the whole idea behind Star Trek is is the the utopian future. Um, to take it to you know the the opposite extreme, it's kind of like, uh, do we really need to do that? Do we, don't we have enough of you know don't we have enough Blade Runners out there that that you know Alien um, that we can if you like that kind of science fiction, you can go watch that kind of science fiction. And, and Star Trek has always been known for being the, uh, the much more positive spin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I am one of those guys who I, I kind of like it when they show the ugly side of the Federation, because the, the big issue with that utopian future is, um, the big issue I have anyway, and it, it's something that gets reflected in the attitudes of, of how a lot of fans talk about it, is it's it's kind of a very kind of creepy utopia because even among the fans, it's like, oh, the Federation is perfect. If you question the Federation, if you doubt, the, if you if you disagree with something they've done, then you're evil, and that's a, that's a disturbing, but. They've got this nice shiny polish on it, where everything is perfect and everything is wonderful. But when you have a society like that, it is uh, it is stagnant and complacent, and that complacency turns into a kind of totalitarian. Do not ever question the state. Do not ever question anyone, because this is how it is, and this is perfect. And to say that something's not quite right is heresy. Is is evil, and it's an idea that. Because I mean, part of it is part of Star Trek is yes, it's a it's a vision of a utopian future, but but the point of it is that the message it was trying to get out is we can be better than what we are. Mm-hmm. If if you get to a point where you don't think you need to be improved, you're not going to get better, and you just try to go to some pretty extreme lengths to maintain a status quo that might not be as great as it could be because. It's already perfect, and you can't change perfection. And I, th- I think that's that's where the the storytelling comes in. It doesn't, you know. I absolutely, I would love to see them do a series based on um, Section Thirty One. This idea that there is this, you know, um, this idea that um, there is a rogue group 
inside that that is trying to uh, undermine um, you know things that are going on um, I have no problem with them exploring you know the some of the the underbelly of you know what is going on saying you know the Federation is not perfect there are there are problems there are issues um, and that that they need to be addressed I just I don't think you need to do that by you know I don't need you I don't think you need to be you know dropping f-bombs and having things come out of people's stomachs in order to tell those kinds of stories though so in the um, <clears throat> the guidelines guideline number seven to be specific uh, for fan films it says they uh, videos must not include profanity or nudity uh, but then we have in Discovery, we have exactly that. We have profanity, such as the F-bomb, and then we have uh, what other Bill was saying earlier about uh, with Lieutenant Tyler and Laurel, how there's, um, there is brief nudity. Uh, you know, how, how and we're talking they... super brief, like blinking, yeah. you miss it brief. Yeah, but so then why do they get to do that, but yet then they say... Fan films cannot have that. What do you, what's your opinion on that? I guess once again, it, it you know I look at it and I say it's it's kind of it's it's CBS saying do what we say, not what we do. You know, if if you're going to hold yourself to one standard, then you really should be holding everyone in the community to the same standard. Mm-hmm. And I I'm, think that that it's kind of that's that's their way of separating their track from everybody else's. Now, I, I do see their point. I mean, you know, I don't think they want to have um, someone, you know, creating all sorts of fan films where, you know. We get to see Kirk negotiating with the hot alien leader. Yeah. You know. <laughs> that's, that's why they're, that's, that boils down to exactly why they're avoiding, they want you to avoid that. <laughs> Because that, that, when I think of it, it's like no nudity, no profanity. They, they they don't want people to go out and make a bunch of Star Trek pornos about Captain Kirk boldly going where no man has gone before and calling it a fan film and kind of screwing up the demographic. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they understand that, that at that point you're you're really messing with the IP. And it, it specifically says no pornography. So there you go. I, I, I'm not trying to say that this guideline is bad or good. I just yeah, I just think it's interesting that they you know they get to do what they want, but then they had this guideline uh, which you know came out before discovery, you know, but I just I find it interesting that that there's that kind of dissonance between the two. Yeah, I mean, I, you know a lot of the I, I think some of the guidelines are good that they came out with. Some are just ridiculous. Um, you know, they. I really wish that that what they would have done is they would have said, "Hey, you know, here's the, here's the Bible for for you know writing the uh, you know or doing a Star Trek film." You can say, "Hey, you know, we we don't want to have profanity in there." We don't want to, you know, um, we're not we're not saying you have to, you know, married couples on the Enterprise don't have to sleep in twin beds. They can share the same beds. You just can't show what, you know, what goes on. Um, and I think they, they really needed to say, you know, um, and we're going to adhere to the same level of quality and the same the same kind of guidelines as on some of these. Shall we get to Bill's rapid-fire questions? Or, I'm sorry, Bill's lightning round. We, we call it two different things. I'm sorry, other Bill. Yeah, we, we, we don't have a catchphrase, and we don't have proper names for our show segments. We're just <laughs> winging it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, I'm sure you've seen things like this before, you know, so you, so you know how it goes. I ask the questions, and you just kind of pop out the answer. I try to make them relate to what we've uh, talked to in the show, so that'll help. Okay. Are you ready? Hopefully no right or wrong answers. Do I have to do I have a little buzzer here? i got to buzz in or something? 
the, the only wrong answer is saying Janeway is the greatest captain of all time. And I'm no. sure next week somebody will say that. But you gotta go. <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid. No, the only wrong answer is saying Harry Kim deserves a promotion. Oh, man. And that was at the top of the show. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, are you ready? Sure. Who's better, Kirk or Picard? Cisco. Who was better at swearing? Kirk in The Voyage Home or Data in uh, Generations? Uh, Kirk in The Voyage Home. If you had to chase down a burglar today, which Star Trek character would you dress as? Uh, Worf. All right. Since your nickname is Boxy, uh, who's better, Starbuck or Apollo? Starbuck. And who'd make the better Muppet captain, Elmo or Kermit? Uh, definitely Elmo. <laughs> really? Okay. To boldly go where no Muppet has gone before. <laughs> I like how Elmo sounds almost like Picard. <laughs> he did drop his voice a little there. <laughs> Tried to give him a little British accent, too. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. All right, so let us go back to the question of the week. You ready? All right. Okay, so this was Khan's home away from home. Which planet was Khan and his people taken to? A, SETI Alpha 6, B, SETI Alpha 8, C, SETI Alpha 5, or D, SETI Alpha? What do you think, First Bill? Is that me? Yeah, I'm, First I'm Bill. I'm First Bill? All right. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with SETI Alpha 5. Okay, other Bill, how about you? SETI Alpha 5. Yep, you're right. SETI yeah, that's... Alpha 5. That's actually like in the commercial, in the trailer for it. It's it's the scene where Khan is shouting at Chekhov, This is City Alpha 5! Mm-hmm. City Alpha 6 exploded six months after we were left here. Exactly. And uh, that was actually, that was my bonus answer, or my bonus question. Which planet, or yeah, which City Alpha planet exploded? And yeah, you're right, City Alpha 6. So I guess my my questions are just too easy. I gotta come up with some really difficult ones. You you had very difficult ones. This is you you were just in a con kind of mood. Yeah, I was. I wanted yours to... is the superior trivia question. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to to customize it to uh, to first bill, but I didn't really know how to do that. So I just kind of I was in a con kind of mood, and I I wanted some Star Trek too. I really so i i i enjoyed um, Wrath of Khan, probably one of my favorite um, Star Trek movies from the yeah. the original series. Yeah. Um, although you know, I I my wife just she looks at me and shakes shakes her head sometimes because I'll be like, you know, I liked Star Trek the motion picture. Looking back at it, I I enjoyed it. Um, I liked you know Star Trek Five. I liked, you know, little sections of it. I like the Kelvin timeline. I like J.J. Abrams' Trek. I have no problem with it. The only thing I don't care for is Discovery. As long as you don't start doing the whole, if you like the show, you're not a real fan thing, we're all good. You know what? I I think that there is a place for any of it. You know, it's people... I, I sometimes will talk with people who say, oh, I hated Star Trek Enterprise. You know what? I liked it. It was Star Trek. You know, it had Star Trek at the beginning of it. It, 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 it. I don't think there's a problem with any any of the Star Trek. Right. Even Discovery. I mean, some people are into it. Great. You know, just because, you know, you're into it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to be into it. Mm-hmm. And just because I'm into something doesn't mean you have to. Uh, okay, I do have I one follow-up. I do have one follow-up question because, I mean, your name, Bill Boxler. I sw- do you have a famous uncle and or cousin or because that that name it just seems familiar to me, like has been involved in some kind of high-end production for a TV or movie. Um, not that I'll ever admit to. <laughs> Okay. I, you know, I, I, yeah, uh, you know, Bruce Boxleitner, he changed his name. Okay. <laughs> it was Boxler. He, he, he wasn't good enough for us, you know. Oh, he lost weight, so he changed to Boxleitner. 
Yes, there you go. <laughs> all righty. Well, I guess that's uh, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, thank you very much to our guest host, Bill Boxler. Well, thank you. Who will be appearing soon, eventually, in Call to Unity. Whenever Adam wants to release it. <laughs> I, I think Adam's having more fun just having people on who cannot answer questions, so I don't know if he ever will. <laughs> Coming soon to a computer near you, in a world where they went with audio instead of video. One fan film will change everything. Because it's not a film. That's right. <laughs> All right, well, thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Adam. Thank you to Bill Boxler. And I'm going to thank myself because that's just the kind of guy I am. Well, like and follow us on Facebook. We are available for download in the iTunes Store. We are also on YouTube. Check out uh, Trexphere.com for links to this show and various blogs, articles, and news tidbits related to Star Trek and Star Trek fan films. And join us next week as, once again, we look at the strange questions that can only be answered in the Twilight Zone.